Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that explores your daddy issues, daddy issues. <laughs> Fuck, that's good. You're getting better at these. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other one. I'm Dan Ludwig. I shouldn't praise you when you, when you do a good job, so that'll look like more professional. But whenever you like do a good, one, I'm like, yeah, high five. Like, you, you you accomplish the basic thing we set out to do with this thing, which is to make like a slight joke. <laughs> good words, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not doing the thing of making, like, good work seem effortless. Yeah, man. It's like scoring a touchdown. You gotta act like you've been there before. Yeah, no, I'm just, like, doing, like, dances as soon as you get past the one-yard line. Anyway, so I'm Marty, that's Dan, and we have a special guest today. A special guest come in today, uh, Brianna Morgan of the blog John of the Red and Philly organizer of uh, our wonderful bar camp. Brianna, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Brianna Morgan. Um, I work in public health and have a really awesome library blog called John of the Red, organizer for Bar Camp Philly. I'm on the board for Panma. I, I get around and do a few things. What is Panma for like people who aren't listening? Panma is the Philadelphia Area New Media Association, which does tech and creative events in Philadelphia. But the first part of that introduction, the public health, is why we had you on today. So our episode today is about a uh, a public health worker. It's called the county nurse. But Brianna, you are not a county nurse. What do you do in in health? I am a health planner, which means I look at systems and population level health data and help plan HIV services. Um, I also want to point out that I am not speaking on behalf of my employer here today. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good yep. call. <laughs> yeah. No, you never want to do that in any relation to anything we produce. You could not be representing your employer left less right now. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, if you live in Philadelphia, Bar Camp Rules. It's a networking event, series of classes, and then we get just absolutely wasted after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brianna, tell us what, what those two things are, too. Tell us what Bar Camp and John of the Red are. So Bar Camp is an unconference, which means that we plan the schedule the day of the event. People come in and lead sessions on anything that they want to. Uh, sometimes it's about tech. Sometimes it's about zombies. You know, whatever people feel like they need to talk about that day. And that'll be in Philly on Saturday, October 19th. And John of the Red is my blog where I visit all 54 branches of the Philadelphia Free Library System and tell people about them. Hell yeah. Yeah, those are both fantastic events. Uh, Bar Camp, I think I've been to the last seven of them. I think I've spoken at six of them. Uh, Dan and I will be at this year's probably. We might talk about this show. We might talk about old television. That might be a fun one to talk about. I don't know. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> don't look at me like that, Daniel. Uh, yeah, no. I We've been threatening to do that for like a year now. Um, yeah, we'll see if it actually happens this time. Uh. So, but we brought you on because we want to talk about, uh, you're our, our quote unquote public health expert. Uh, today's episode is called The County Nurse. Actually, before we get into this, uh, Brianna, you and I were talking earlier today and I, you saw me watch this episode of The Andy Griffith Show and then you went back and watched the pilot of The Andy Griffith Show. You watched episode one. Yes. Okay. 
I would like for you to guess for me, what do you think episode two of the Andy Griffith show is about? Based on your sample size. I would guess that it's something that's not very nice to Aunt B. Hmm. Uh, you know, a, an interesting and probable, like, like guess. Yeah. yeah, this show is kind of mean to Aunt B, honestly. Uh, except for, like, Aunt B-centric episodes where she just kicks absolute ass. And we, we get real excited every time Aunt B gets to do something. But no, the actual plot of the uh, second episode of the Andy Griffith Show, and this is how I explain this show to people, is the first episode is Aunt B comes to town and this old this little boy is sad because his aunt can't play baseball or can't catch frogs. And episode two of the Andy Griffith Show is there is an escaped convict. He is taking hostages, and only Andy has the backwoods know-how to bring him down. Wow, I wouldn't have gotten there. It ramps up so fast. <laughs> A different show punches its way onto the show, <laughs> like fights its way onto the thing. I'm like, then we're doing this now. And 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 the Andy Griffith Show treats these two events like they are the same level of intensity. Wow. I I would have expected more Ronnie Howard, little Ronnie Howard. You would have expected more folksiness. Yeah. Yeah, more, more down-homesiness. No, every once in a while this show turns into just like a hard-boiled crime drama that doesn't – this show doesn't know what it is, and it's actually kind of fantastic. <laughs> I, I expect there's a lot of jail involved. Of course. Yeah. Of course. There's a lot of imprisonment. And uh, for all, for the listeners who are waiting for us to say it, episode two is entitled Manhunt. Manhunt. <laughs> <laughs> Your manhunts are getting weird, man. <laughs> They're turning into like these weird, like musical Muppet numbers. Manhunt, do do da do do. Manhunt, boo 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 boo. Oh <laughs> no! Yeah, God, I shouldn't have put that in there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we do. Empy is generally treated like shit, but we have like cheered on as she slowly become a human with agency, like. Every time it happens, we're like, Empy made a decision! Yeah! Like, <laughs> oh, that's so good. I'm glad to hear that. She needs that in her life. The yeah. other thing you need to know is that Aunt B fucks. It's become a weird detail that Aunt B is hardcore dating around town. How do they... You know what? Never mind. I don't think there needs to be logic for how they work that into the show. They don't. We do. Yeah. <laughs> we, like, we parse every detail and I'll be like, I think this line of dialogue suggests that they're hooking up. And so we've, like, created, like, an alternate mythology for the show. We're just, we're losing our minds. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the downward slide. Fantastic. All right, so here is uh, today's episode. We are doing Season 2, Episode 24, The County Nurse. Originally airs March 19th, 1962. Written uh, by Jack Ellenson and Charles Stewart. And directed by Guy Who Says Teamwork Makes the Dream Work at least twice a day on set, Bob Sweeney. An android sent back in time by a self-aware version of Nextdoor, Bob Sweeney. Both of those came from uh, Patreon subscribers on our Discord channel. If you want to shoot Bob Sweeney's at us, you don't have to be a Patreon subscriber. You can shoot him at our Twitter, but it helps. Yeah. Uh, and here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy tries to talk defiantly unwilling Rafe Hollister, played by Jack Prince, into getting a tetanus shot from County Nurse Mary Simpson, played by an actress whose name I'm not going to tell you because she disappears by the next time we see Mary. It would be a waste of time. It would be like, a waste of, of time. Yeah. We have a new Mary by the next time we see this character. I, we like are doubling back to this one, and we've already watched the one where she's been recast, and literally they just said, like, all right, so we need an actress who is worse 
and also blonde. And much <laughs> younger, Yeah, you point out. They, I feel like, feel like they definitely cast this or recast this because this woman looks like she would be age appropriate for Andy to date. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, she has light in her eyes when she talks to Andy and looks happy to be here. And they replace her with someone that's just like, looks like they kidnapped her off the street and were like, you're in a TV show now. Go, go. <laughs> Yeah, Mary Part 2 is, A, much younger, and B, much less comfortable with the whole situation. I, this was a bad recast. Yeah. It just makes everything, like, so much weirder and creepier. It makes Andy seem so much creepier. I think maybe we should just get to this, like, up top. So in the one that we already watched where, like, Mary comes back, this is going to be confusing as hell to you, but um, does the nurse seem like Andy's romantic advances, does she seem into it? She seems surprisingly into it for a man just reaching out and reshaping her face into a smile. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know very many women who would be very enthusiastic about it, but she seemed pretty into it. I was surprised. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe back in the 60s, promptless face touching was probably a pretty normal part of courtship, maybe. like <laughs> Mary Part 2 just feels like she's going along for it. Yeah. It's... It's weird. Let's let's go ahead and just jump into the episode. So we start off with, uh, in the jail, uh, Barney is reading a book called The Art of Karate, or Karate, The Art of Self-Defense. Mm-hmm. And I got to point out here, this show was never meant to see the light of high definition. Uh, I commented earlier today that, like, you can absolutely see where they took a regular book and then wrote karate <laughs> on, like, gaffing tape and taped it over the cover. <laughs> And I think the book might have been The Art of War, because in Art of are in, like, actual book font, and then more tape. Self-defense. <laughs> That's so good. They were definitely, like, uh, so this is, like, the third, co- like, Barney does a martial art bit. They did Kung Fu and another one I don't remember. Um and they basically just recycle it of, like, this guy doing a martial art sure is weird looking. And also, what are those crazy Asian people thinking up with their ways of fighting? Uh, so they were they pretty clearly just like, shit, we need an opening bit. Just, Knott's, can you do Kung Fu again? They really dug in on that, too. He was going for a while. Yeah. They got as much mileage as they could out of this whole thing. He He, like... Puts down the book and then he looks directly at the camera and makes. I'm gonna move the microphone away from me for a second. Noises like ha, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's, and it's just like three minutes straight of Don Knotts just like grunting and like sweating at the camera. Guttural shrieks. I'd describe them as like just nightmare. Like it sounds like a garbage disposal that you've shoved a rabbit down. They were all such specific animals too, and I don't, I don't know very much about karate. I know a little bit more about animals, and it didn't really seem true to either of those. <laughs> I was about to ask, what can you tell us about karate? Like before we get into all the health stuff, very, very little. I, I know it's a martial art that requires a lot of dedication and very few animal shapes, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, so I took karate as a kid, but admittedly, it was at like a McDojo, one of those, just like a white guy starts a dojo after the Karate Kid became big. So I might have learned zero karate. Um, I was taught just like a series of punches in different orders to do them in. You seem like a kind of guy who would insist that it be pronounced karate. My sensei, I think it was like Sensei Steve, (laughs) didn't insist upon that. I thought this was interesting because I went back and kind of looked at this trying to figure out when 
kung fu movies really hit the American mainstream. Mm-hmm. And other than like Kurosawa flicks, you know, which I would say are probably the a more samurai based and be yeah. a little bit artsier. Yeah. Uh, not really. Like this was about 10, 20 like, years before like Shaw Brothers or any kind of like. I think like real... the seventies, really. Yeah, yeah. Like the late sixties, early seventies is when uh, kung fu movies come into American consciousness. So this yeah. might have been like. The first that some people at home are hearing of this karate thing. Yeah. And it's from Don Knotts. <laughs> Don Knotts doing a hawk, a bull elk, and then a snake. Yeah. I believe it was a cobra, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, he, he does, like, the, I, I was about to, like, mime the thing. They can't see you. Yep. 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 Nope. I've been doing this for 50 episodes and still don't <laughs> totally grasp that. So so Andy walks in behind a Barney who is shrieking at the camera. Yeah. And it's very weird. And he starts making fun. But I should point out, Andy is still wearing the cast from a couple of weeks ago when we saw him and he broke his hand. Because the real life Andy Griffith got drunk and punched a wall. Yeah. As far as we can tell. As you do when you were famous back then. Just honestly, for like a famous person back then, that's pretty tame behavior. Normally, you just like burn down a house because... You were on, like, too much morphine or whatever they did for drugs back then. Morphine, right? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. That one sputtered to a halt. But yeah, it did. He still, <laughs> he still got the cast on. Yeah. And he basically, like, asks Barney, what the hell are you doing? Barney and Andy, like, vamp at this for a little while. They try to vaudeville this up. There was clearly no script for this scene no. at all. Don Knotts explains that karate is... Primitive and vicious, and I can beat up uh, Jack Dempsey and uh, Joe Lewis. Yeah. Joe Lewis, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He like says he can beat up boxers with it. Then he says that most of the karate moves come from the animals. We just covered that he demonstrates karate. Uh, it's a hawk, bull, elk, and a snake. I just realized that there's nothing less funny than audibly describing physical comedy, <laughs> you know which is I... a big problem for our show. You know what I just realized is that this is pretty much verbatim the Bruce Lee scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> oh my god, it really is. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> By the way, you know what? You can get at us. Dan and I hated that movie. That yeah. movie sucks. I will throw down about how horrible that movie is. I will continue to not see it. You're making good life decisions. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing great. Uh, <laughs> the first Tarantino movie that I'm like, don't even bother. It's a huge waste of your damn time. So so finally the punchline of this is that uh, Barney tries to demonstrate how he has hands of steel and he can chop through a piece of wood and he demonstrates on the desk. And, of course, he hurts himself. He, there's, like, a good sound effect. He makes a funny face. He's hurt himself, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, this is like, that's pretty funny. But also, Andy's hand is still in a cast. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got two dudes here, and one of them has their arm in a full plaster cast. Kind of hurts your joke here, bud. It's also a, kind of a dorky-looking cast, because it's, it's just as pinky. And, like, it's, like, bound up to the, like, to all the way to the forearm. Yeah, to keep him from, from bending, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, enter Mary. Uh, and I have a little note here. They had to get rid of this woman because she looks like she might be age appropriate to date Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of looks like Kobe Smolders from, uh, How I Met Your Mother. I could see that. That was the yeah. thought I had. Uh, so just picture, uh, Robin Shabotsky as mm-hmm. we talk about this entire episode. Barney kind of like, they, they do a little bit where, uh, Andy says like, 
Well, how's doing the county nursing business? We have to introduce you and tell you what, tell the audience what you do because no one has ever heard of you before. Yeah. <laughs> You've just like materialized into existence in this show. This entire episode is just to introduce you as a love interest. Mm-hmm. I do love that they have a county nurse though. I would not have expected that from from all of the signals I got about that community. Well, it seems like this is pretty new, right? Like, it seems like they're not accustomed to having the county nurse. Well, sure, but there are lots of counties that don't have nurses at all now. Yeah. Fair point. Normally, it's just like, this is Phil. He's our pediatrician, and he also fixes shoes. (laughs) Little shoes. Yeah. For the kids. (laughs) Oh, baby shoes never worn. Oh. (laughs) So Barney falls to the ground because he's, like hurt himself with the hand or whatever. He's in severe pain. And he recaps the joke from the past couple of minutes. Uh, and, joke being karate is weird. Yeah. And then he gets back up and they do the whole, like, how are things in the law and order business? How are things in the nursing business? Joke again. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to move on to the actual plot. The plot of the episode introduces itself when um, Mary says that she's going up to the farm because she knows that Rafe Hollister has not... Uh, gotten a tetanus shot. By the way, way to fucking violate every HIPAA law. Just massive HIPAA violations all over the place. And I know HIPAA didn't exist at this point. Don't. <laughs> Is that a HIPAA violation? It's there. It's very much a HIPAA violation to tell, like, to tell somebody else just publicly your the details of your medical record. I'm just gonna check with the expert real fast. Right. So I would say because she's talking about how he does not have a specific vaccination, that is medical information. And she would have reason to know it. She's not like speculating. It's not some guy down the street that's like, you know what? That Rafe guy, he looks like he doesn't get tennis shots. Uh is it so yeah, it's even if it's if he's like he's not like I'm not his medical professional. Like, you can't confirm whether... Well, she yeah. is his medical professional. Oh, yeah, because she is, like, She's, the county. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Yeah. No, that tracks. Uh, this episode also reminded me that I haven't had a tetanus shot since I was, like, 13. I should probably get that yeah, taken care of. you should. <laughs> you don't want tetanus. Uh, damn it. I should also get a tetanus shot. Fuck, I'm no better than the, the idiot farmer. Fuck. <laughs> The guy we're going to be making fun of this entire episode. This entire episode, by the way, is a PSA. If you haven't had a tetanus shot in the past, what is it, 10 years? 10 years. Yeah, if you haven't had a tetanus shot in the past 10 years, you should probably get that taken care of. Dan and I will do it. At least he's making a conscious decision to not do this. I'm just an idiot who forgot to uphold his basic health. Fuck. I mean, they pretty much don't do it unless you, like, step on a piece of barbed wire or whatever and you have to get it done. And I haven't done that in a Mm -hmm. while. Or if you're good about going in for your annual physical and you have a nice little conversation with your doctor or your nurse practitioner, whoever you see for your annual physical, and then they say, hey, have you gotten your tetanus booster? And you say, I have no idea. You know, just a suggestion. I think I've had that conversation and they've been like, do you want one? And I've been like, I mean, not particularly. And then they've been like, <laughs> they've been like all right, we're d- done. I will, I will say, like, they, they make a big deal or they talk about how the tetanus shot is not a big deal in this episode a whole lot tetanus shots suck from what i remember they make your arm sore for like two and a half days that was very specific i know (laughs) i could have also been like exaggerating a whole bunch because i was like 12 the last time i got one (laughs) but we are really no better than the idiot (laughs) subject of this episode (laughs) 
<laughs> like, we're about to talk massive amounts of shit, and we're like, we haven't gotten them, and also, they're very bad, and they hurt us. <laughs> so, anyway. Such toddlers. <laughs> so, anyway. I would like to say, for the record, that I have gotten my tetanus booster. All right. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Way to flex on us in this in this very low moment. I'm just trying to demonstrate some subject matter expertise. Yeah, yeah. Follow her example and not ours. I mean, I I don't think that anything we've ever done on this show indicates that we should be role models to anyone. Yeah. So if you, if you're a child listening to this show, a Go outside. No, if you're a child listening to that show, you fucking rule. You're a kick-ass kid with very. Uh, niche podcast taste and i'm on board with it and b don't don't look up to us we're we we're terrible at this uh anyway she needs rafe she needs to get rafe checked off the list because rafe is kind of like the leader of the hill people i guess she's got to go up to the farmers and she knows that like they all kind of respect rafe hollister so she can get rafe to get his tetanus shot all the other farmers will fall in line and get their tetanus shot Mm -hmm. um weird logic but all right yeah, I'll go with it. Weird yeah. that the farmers are like a hive mind a little bit. Yeah, it, it's actually this is this kind of thing actually works in public health practice. I'm going to say this is the only thing when I was watching this show that I was like, hey, that's actually a strategy real people use. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. Please elaborate. Like, how does that work in like the modern actual world? Well, so typically it's not usually say a person gets a tetanus shot and then people don't miraculously know about the tetanus shot. Uh, But you'll have somebody in a peer group who demonstrates some kind of desired health behavior, in this case, getting their tetanus booster, and then they tell their friends, and then they can ask questions about it from somebody that's not some scary county nurse lady who just rolled in and Mm -hmm. keeps stabbing people with needles. All right. So so a, like, allegory would be, like, using condoms. Right. You can get, like, one teenager using condoms. You can get, like, six or seven. Are you, like, IDing people that are like, all right, that one's the alpha. I have to get them using condoms. <laughs> so tip it, condoms are not the best example of that because you don't actually usually get to observe the behavior. Yeah, I'm already using condoms. <laughs> you <Fair dick>. <laughs> It's like a very niche group of people that would be comfortable with that. Um, I think they were all in the Kinsey studies. But... For other things that are easier to demonstrate, things like healthier eating habits or exercise or other kinds of stuff that's like once and done that you can kind of check off. So now that you've mentioned those two very obvious, obvious <laughs> examples, uh, I feel weird for coming up with the condom one. Yeah, no, you kind of should. <laughs> and I like that this has become integral enough to the episode that you can't edit this out, motherfucker. This is in there. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking pervert. <laughs> so so Andy says Well if, if if he needs to get a shot, he's gotta get a shot and I'll help. I'll drive up to the farm with you. We'll go all the way up there. Dan, you have the note here, Barney picks up what he's putting down. Yeah. Which is completely different than the next time we see Mary where he doesn't understand shit about shit. Okay, I have a theory about this episode and how it connects to the next episode. Okay, please go. Uh, okay, so I was gonna, like, bring it up later, but basically I think Barney is also into Mary in this episode. Uh, that's why he does some of the stuff he does later. Like, he tries to, like, swoop in and make his move and be like, hey, uh, have you, have you thought about hooking up with the deputy instead? She goes with Andy instead, and that's why later on when Andy is trying to make moves, Barney is sabotaging him. 
and in like a weird form of denial because uh, he's like, I don't want Andy to have sex with the woman that I'm in love with now. Uh, the third woman he's in love with at, at any given time. Oh, yeah. So this entire time, uh, Barney has, not only has a girlfriend, you know, the weird guy that was doing Kung Fu, uh, not only has a girlfriend, but he has a girl that he's cheating on his girlfriend with. Yeah, he's got a side that piece. Yeah. Huh. That motherfucker. Huh. Yeah. That's... Well, I mean, maybe his body was, like, in a heightened state of arousal when he was doing all of the karate, and then Mary walked in, and he was like, oh, I'm so manly. <laughs> he's got, like, blood pumping and stuff. Yeah. He's, really, he's really on that gorilla mindset shit. You know? <laughs> full alpha-ing it. Um, so, yeah. Andy, Andy volunteers to drive her up there. She, like, gives him, like, a little kiss on the on the cheek. I'd say a very, like, a, a heavy kiss on the cheek. Like, she goes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she plants one. And then she leaves, and uh, he has this weird line where she's like, Oh, boy, that Mary. Boy, she a fine girl. She a fine girl. What a good wife she would be. <laughs> Too bad my life, my love, and my lady is Mayberry. do 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 I'm just staring at you for this. <laughs> I'm not getting any backup on this. All right. <laughs> it's a great episode for the Markster. I mean, I don't know what I can really do to that if I'm like going to harmonize with you. <laughs> Good episode for me. <laughs> anyway, who else is singing right Marty now? The is song the... pervert. <laughs> You know who else is singing right now is Barney. Yeah. Barney's singing a weird little song, and it's, like, not really, like, Andy and Mary sitting in a tree, but it's pretty fucking close. Yeah. Just does, like, a weird little serenade. It went on, again, for a while. Mm-hmm. Is that a recurring thing? Yes. yes. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, everything that you think is like, oh, this is, like, a cool, like... Five second joke. Oh my god, it's been thirty seconds. Oh my god, it's been forty five seconds. Oh my god, they've been doing this five second joke for two minutes. They sure have. Yeah, it's it's insane how much they're just like, all right, we gotta fill time. Uh, fuck. I guess Andy just sing, just play guitar for like the next four minutes because there is about eight minutes of story in this episode. Yeah. Let's be clear here. There are two set locations that they go to twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. It's uh, insane. So let, let's let's go up to one of those set locations because the rest of the scene is not interesting at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, the rest of the episode is not, not interesting at all. But we should like yeah. Move Barney on. gets to tease Andy for having a crush. And... Whatever. Uh, so they drive up to the farm. It's the same farm we saw before. By the way, it's the same farm we saw in Ellie saves a female. Yeah. Because why are you going to have more than one farm set? Like, yeah. Why, the fact that they have, like, one actual farm set is amazing. We're the only assholes to binge watch this ever. So, like, <laughs> of course they're going to reuse sets. Like, we're probably the first people to ever notice this. Yeah, oh, it's clear. That's not true. You know the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club is all over this shit. Oh, yeah. They have, like pins there are people that like are really hardcore into this show uh, in like, fact in fact it is actually listed on the ultra reliable mayberry wiki uh under trivia slash notes rave's farm is the same farm as ellie says a female i can't wait for these people to kill us <laughs> i cannot wait for one of them to get upset about what we're doing here and just track us down with a crossbow <laughs> it's gonna happen <laughs> um so they go up there and 
is it Andy that says, "Hey, let me take the lead on this"? Um, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, she's like, "All right, I'm gonna go up there," and he's like, "No, you don't really speak his language that well. Let me go up, and I'll like, you know, I'll I'll take care of this." Um, also, I think he's along the lines of like, "You're an outsider. He's gonna freak the fuck out if he sees you like first. Uh, and so, oh, but before, so they're sitting in the car. And, oh yeah, yeah. So to be clear, they have not left the car yet. Oh, Brianna's making a good face. Brianna, do you want to tell us what happens in this scene? I did not much care for this at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, let's, give us a play-by-play of the things that happens in this scene. So Andy starts asking about what happens when a person gets tetanus and asks for a display of the symptoms. And so she starts off talking about stiffness at the back of the neck, and then he plays this really weird game Mm -hmm. where he acts as though he doesn't know where the back of his neck is (laughs) and requires Mary to show him. And so she kind of, like, weirdly and lovingly reaches over and grasps the back of his neck and just stares into his eyes. It's the weirdest thing, like, like, trying to seduce someone, like, Explain to me the symptoms of a disease. <laughs> yeah, this this is not consistent with standard public health practice. Right. <laughs> or just human interaction. <laughs> like, hey, baby, uh, do you want to tell me how gout works? <laughs> I was so uncomfortable watching it's that. <laughs> so it's insane that he does that. And it's insane that it looks like it's working. She's like, yeah, yeah. Uh... And then he does a thing where he, like, leverages the fact that her uh, her, her hand is in the back of his neck to, like, pull her in closer. Like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, he, he like, yeah, he, like, draws her in, and then uh, she's just like, oh, that's Rafe, let's go. And then he's just, like, left sitting in the cop car. Yeah. And w- extremely aroused. <laughs> it's like trying to make moves in someone's driveway. That, it's exactly, it's not like that. It yeah, is that. That's what they were doing. Yeah. While they're, and then they see Rafe Hollister, who we've seen a couple of times before. Not uh, played by this guy. No, I think we've, or no, I'm sorry, we've seen this guy before, but he, and he was playing farmers before, yeah. but I don't think he was playing Rafe Hollister by name. Yeah. Or whatever. But we've seen this dude before. Uh, so they go up to talk to Rafe, uh, and, you know, they introduce that this is the county nurse, uh, and Rafe, you know, Playing up the hillbilliness of the this guy, let's say this guy rules. Yeah, <laughs> this, this this actor rules. I like this this character, this very belligerent old uh, hillbilly farmer. Um, His logic is: we don't need no nurse because nobody here gets sick. Which they're kind of like, how do you know you don't get sick if you don't have a nurse? And he's like, none of us are dead. <laughs> Basically, his entire counter logic of, like, we're all alive and therefore do not need medical attention. If we needed medical attention, we'd be dead right now. Which they surprisingly can't pierce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, can't, they can't argue their way through that. Yeah. And, like, like Andy's whole, like, argument to this counter argument is like, well, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> no, his entire counter argument and – like Brad will like let you like chime in after about whether or not this is a valid move is to show him medical devices like he's like showing like technology to like a, a, one of those African tribes that have never made human contact like just like look at this a thermometer ooh like, okay. I actually really like this bit <laughs> this bit did make me laugh this bit of like 
Andy tried to show off modern medical technology, like a thermometer and a stethoscope. And Rafe Hollister just coming up with numerous reasons to not give a shit. Yeah. And they're all, like, fairly good reasons. of like, here's a thermometer, and he's just like, fuck you. It tells temperatures? I'm not impressed by that because I'm an adult. And they're like, stethoscope. And he's like, this doesn't do it. I, it makes me hear things. I don't give a shit. Uh, and then just needle, and he's like, get that the fuck away from me. Like, he's making, they're doing a bad job. They are. I concur. Yeah. (laughs) Please please weigh in on this for us. I mean, generally, it helps when you are providing any kind of service to a person to talk to them like they're an adult human capable of understanding you. Yeah. And that's really not the approach that they took with Rafe. They really took the jingling keys for a baby approach for things. They really did, and it, it bothered me. I, yeah. I didn't much care for it. I mean, it, I was amused a bit, but did not think it would be successful in real life. Uh, and I really did appreciate Rafe's simple approach to the world. Like, you know, sometimes people just don't want a tetanus shot, and yeah. I don't think a stethoscope is going to change their minds. Yeah. Insane logic on their part. <laughs> to just be like, yo, you're not into getting tetanus shots? Here's two unrelated things. Uh, when Dan and I were planning for this episode, we've re- we've referred to this back and forth as the anti-vaccination episode of the Andy Griffith Show, which it technically it is. It yeah. isn't. It is an anti-vaxer episode. It's just not the anti-vaccination as we think of it. Yeah. But Brianna, how how do you get somebody to come in and get a shot that doesn't want to? How do you or how do you like promote that? That healthy behavior. Right. Well, so I, I would say that, no, well, for one thing, I don't do a whole lot of shot giving myself. That's true. Um, <laughs> but it's really important that you start out recognizing that people are individual humans that are capable of making their own decisions. So in the case of something like a tetanus shot, um, it's not a communicable disease. So it's the kind of thing, it's only going to hurt you. You're going to be the one who dies of tetanus. If you don't get your tetanus shot. Yeah. So it's a little bit different from the anti-vaxxer situation that we talk about now, which is much more about communicable diseases. Uh, So it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. It's weird that they chose to lock in on the one that's like very, like extremely personal. Like they could have been like, Rafe, you're going to give all of the other farmers measles if you don't get this shot. Brianna, you have you have paper in front of you. I do. I brought a, a peer-reviewed paper from the American Journal of Public Health from 1964 uh, because I was curious about the prevalence of tetanus in the United States. So this was Tetanus in the United States, 1950 through 1960, written by Dr. Clark W. Heath, Jr., which is, is very of its time. Uh, Dr. Jack Zussman and Ida L. Sherman, MS. So I don't know what she had an MS in. But it's talking about the prevalence of tetanus in, in 1960, and it really wasn't that high. Um, I was under the impression that it would have been higher based on the concern that they had about Rafe and his tetanus. Uh, but there were only a, a little over 300 cases in, in 1960. But I just looked at that little map of yours, and I see a lot of splotches on uh, North Carolina. So, yeah, there's the biggest problem was in the South. So part of my problem that I have with this paper that no one cares about because it was written 60 years ago. (laughs) Oh, we wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) Uh, But 
but they they don't delineate what they mean by the different geographic areas that they describe in this report. So I don't know where North Carolina would fall exactly in terms of the higher incidence by region. It was the worst in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. So the the deep deep south. The deep deep south. Okay, but there there are a couple of patches in North Carolina, oh, yeah, which for sure. might explain that. Although, you know, if you're going by demographics, white males are not the most affected group of tetanus in, in 1960. We well, rarely sure, are for anything. I mean, sure, but they're also the only group that anyone cares about. Yeah. So. Hey. Sure. But this, we, have, we have line graphs in this paper. It's very exciting. Line graphs by demographic. Okay, it's very exciting if you... We're going to tweet all this shit. Yeah, yeah. We might want to just scan those. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, at this point, the, so the tetanus shot came out in, I think it was 1924. Okay. So this isn't new. We've had this for a while. We've had this for some time, and the tetanus rates have been declining for some time before this episode. So it was interesting because it seems like they're, they're trying to somehow advocate for people getting tetanus shots i can explain that it's because the andy griffith show for some reason still acts like it's the great fucking depression uh, like, it's, it's, again it does take place in 1960 it takes place in the 60s but everything in mayberry is like the fucking 30s it's kind of weird because it's kind of like they're doing a psa for like a thing that isn't really a problem any uh, anymore and everyone already knows about where it's like hey like if right now if like a tv show is like Hey, you know what you shouldn't fall for? Nigerian prince scams. Like, like yeah. don't don't fall for scam emails or anything like. There's probably like other diseases that were ravaging America at this time that they could have actually like done vaccines for. Probably. I don't know a ton about public health in the 1960s. So, I imagine they had problems for days. <laughs> I I'm sure there were other things. Yeah. As with all other things in the 60s, not Going pretty weird. <laughs> uh, so back at the jail, um, Mary's really upset about, like, taking the L on this one. Because she promised her boss that she was going to get 100% cooperation. Which is a ridiculous promise. Yeah. Like, that's on you, Mary. That is ridiculous. I didn't care for that either. <laughs> Do you guys have, like, quotas? <laughs> like, that doesn't... I, to me, see, a quota, it sounds like somebody's going to give you a bonus later, and there's not really a lot of bonuses in public health. Yeah. <laughs> and there probably shouldn't be, because that incentivizes some weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's not. Also, 100% is not even a goal that people would set for most things. For anything, really. Like, yeah. You can't get 100% cooperation of anything ever, let alone something people don't like to do, like getting shots. Yeah. Uh, so she promised her boss 100% cooperation, and she's going to look like an idiot if she comes back and she doesn't get that. That's a you problem, mm-hmm. uh, Mary, I got to tell you. And then this is where he does the uh, – where Andy does the thing we were talking about earlier where he basically says you'd be prettier if you smiled. And he does this really condescending thing where he talks to her like a child. Yeah. He literally says if you frown that much, you'll, your face will get stuck that way and like pushes her face up into a smile. It's fucking gross. Yeah. It's fucking gross. And I don't I don't know that recasting this character with a younger actress makes it better or worse. I'm going to say worse. Uh, again, she takes it really well. She's like, oh, I'm charmed and not like, where have your hands been today? Why are you touching my mouth? Does Andy talk to anyone on the show as though they're not a child? 
Ah. Alright, there's gotta be someone. Aunt B? No. No. The the woman he dated in season one? No. Well, no, he would he would talk to Ellie like she was a child, but then Ellie would say be like, Stop fucking talking to me like I'm a child. Yeah, I will like destroy Ellie, Ellie would have backbone on it. Uh, which is another reason why they killed her off. Yeah. I'm not, I'm now thinking that Ellie's dead. Yeah, no, but I think that's probably the explanation. Well, the, the love interest from season one just promptly disappeared and was never spoken of again. Yeah. Oh, poor Ellie. Yeah, like a love interest on Saved by the Bell. It's real weird. <laughs> uh, uh, damn it, Brianna, you may have hit on something here. He talks to everyone <laughs> like they're a kid. And... It's it's like the I've said this before. It's like the later season King of the Hill things where they just ramp up the crazy of everyone else so that it justifies his like patronizing patriarchal behavior. He's like one of the adults on Sesame Street, just like. No, man. I would say that on Sesame Street they treat those those children with much more respect <laughs> than than Andy treats grown ass adults. No, yeah, you're right. There's no one. There's no one on this show that Andy is not condescending to. Wow. Yeah. God, he would be fucking insufferable in person. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like anytime he comes up and talks to me, like, hey there, what you got going on? What are you up to today? Just a wildly unlikable guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he makes his move, his second move by just touching the crap out of a lady's face. And he gets a phone call from the mayor. The, the mayor? Uh, <laughs> from a mayor. A mayor. Uh, uh and, uh. He gets a call from from a mayor, and he's got to go to the mayor's office. Uh, Barney starts talking mad shit. But yeah, okay, <laughs> this is my the cornerstone of my theory because Andy walks out, and Marty is like, "What did he's you like, say, Marty?" What? Yeah, uh, I meant to say Barney. Uh, Andy walks out, and Barney uh, walks in, and is just like, like he's doing like a fucking cool guy thing too. He's like, "So uh, couldn't get the shot. You know why?" Because he's soft, which is like that is some ta- explicit talking shit stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. if if you know somebody is like into somebody, which he established he did, and you were like he's soft. Yeah, that is explicitly. And he's like, I'll take care of you. And he's not like, Hey, come on, I'll take care of you. He's like, Get in the car, I'll take care of you. Yeah, he's making a move on this one. Yeah. He's making a play. He's being like a, a shitty little scumbag. <laughs> so so he says that he can get uh, Rafe to take the shot. Uh, so they drive back up. Bri- Brianna, you look like you have something to say on this. It does not go well. No. <laughs> <laughs> shooting almost immediately. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Rafe sees them and he just like starts shooting out the window immediately. And I want to say, Mary's the only person on this entire show who has ever reacted appropriately to being shot at. Yeah. <laughs> she just yells, Barney, he shot at you. Holy shit. Cause we've seen, we've seen this guy, this actor, Jack Prince, shoot at them before. Yeah. And they're just like, well, you cut that out. <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> You're hurting my feelings by opening fire at me. This is inappropriate. <laughs> Being a real dick right now, Rafe. Real asshole. <laughs> We're going to talk about this later, you prick. <laughs> There's also no one seems concerned about Mary's safety and all of this. No. She's, he pulls up on the passenger side with her, where she's like in the window and he like gets out and he's like hiding behind the entire car and he's like, it's in park and they're just, he's just opening fire and he's like peeking his head over the roof and he's like, hey, stop it. I think you I- need to stop. And she's like, I'm. 
There is very little between me and bullets right now. The window's open. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think Andy's justification has literally been in previous episodes that like, oh, if Rafe wanted to hit us, he would hit us. Which he's missing on purpose. What if he wanted to hit you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so that's basically it. Like Rafe fires like five or six shots. Barney says Knock it off, you big bully, and then drives away. <laughs> and then he just drives away like, you really blew up my spot here. <laughs> Not tra- cool. I was trying to get something done here, man. <laughs> just once can you be a bro. And then it just drives <laughs> off. And that's it. That's that scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Back at the jail, uh, set one of two. They pretty much go, well, you, we got to go arrest Rafe now. Yeah. Because um, he shot at you. Yeah, and Barney is like, we're going to storm the place and gun him down. I'm, he's not allowed to carry bullets in his gun because uh, he accidentally fires it all the time. Uh, great trait in a deputy. Uh, so he's like, I'm going to load the one bullet I'm allowed to have into my gun, uh, and then we're going to go raid this guy's house. There is a lot of shooting without intending to actually shoot anyone in this show. Guns are going off on this show constantly, and everyone is just like, eh, that didn't hit anybody, and there's absolutely no possibility of what, but, like, every single scene has, like, a shotgun go off, and everyone's just like... Okay, I'm gonna get real here for a second, though, because, like, we're making fun of that, but also, there is an active shooter two miles from us right now, and we all kind of met that with a shrug, so... Yeah, we were... We literally just said, like, oh, cool, he's in a stationary location. That means there's probably not going to be any more casualties. Yeah, we, we all we all got that news and then recorded this podcast. So I can't even make fun of the Mayberry citizens for this. You need to edit this out if there turns out to be more casualties. Yeah, it's a good call. <laughs> yeah, depending on and end point here if there's cuts. <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, Barney says that he's going to go ahead and bring his gun. And Andy says that... He's not bringing a gun. That won't be necessary. Why does he say that, Dan? Because I'm not going to shoot anybody. He's just like, yeah, he's just like, I'm not planning on shooting him, so I'm not going to bring a gun. Which... That, that's so much cooler when you fucking say it, actually, like that. That sounds badass. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I, if I was going to, if I brought a gun, that means I'm going to shoot him. Like, yeah, fuck, that's, it's a good line. It's his, Andy's attitude towards guns continues to be, like, the bright spot on this show of just like, eh, fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Like oh that that stupid bullshit don't really need it don't really see the point of it guns are guns are lame I'm out yeah uh he does the like st- like smiling thing again at Mary it, why does he keep touching her face I don't know it is that like that must have been a thing of like if you want to charm a lady touch her face it's- like. Definitely what, like, a bunch of writers in L.A. drunk on highballs in 1961 in a room together thought would have been charming as fuck. I actually bet that's probably been in, like, a pickup artist thing in, like, the last 10, 15 years of just, like, want to impress a lady at the bar? Touch her face! All the worst stuff is. Yeah. I just, it's like, there's telling someone to smile, and that is so obnoxious, and then there's making them do it with your hands. Physically forcing a smile. <laughs> like, don't express your emotions with your face here. Like, uh, pushing it up. Like you're the little child pushing on Robin Williams' face and hook to tell if he's really Peter Pan. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is like that. I never thought that would be like anything else for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, finally, Hook is relevant again. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman on top again. <laughs> Mentioned in a minor podcast. <laughs> Oh, he Tangentially. Just, he just got happy while reading at home. He's like, ah, cool. <laughs> People remember me again. Take that, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Your last thing I saw you in was that TV show Luck, which I still don't know what it was about. Shot fired at Dustin Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> back at the farm again. Wee! Great, great plot for an episode. I can't even follow this fucking episode in my notes because they're all labeled by scene and it's just farm. jail, farm, jail, farm. Like, I have to find... Okay, there it is. So right. they pull up. Rafe obviously immediately shoots. Uh, and Andy kind of just walk. Dan, Dan, you do this. I've been doing this right. entire thing. Uh, Rafe immediately shoots at Andy. Barney yells, he's a mad dog. It's getting worse. The Barney impression is getting worse. Uh, Andy just like kind of – he does the same thing he's done a billion times where he's just like, hey, cut it out. And just like kind of like storms up, just like does like a tough guy walk. And then Rafe is like, if you come closer, I'm going to shoot you. And then Andy says, don't you use that tone of voice with me. Takes the gun away and says, "Uh, you've been shooting against people. You know that's against the law. He is talking to him like he's a fucking child. You can't unhear it. He's like, like, what what do we use instead of guns? Our words. (laughs) He's he's Well, they've treated jail like time out for this entire show. Yeah. Including this episode. Yeah. One of the two I've seen. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just like, you're going to go to jail and think about what you did, and don't even worry about talking to a fucking lawyer. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so uh, he arrests him, and then Barney just comes up and starts yapping, like, you're outnumbered, I'm waving a gun at you. Again, the gun that goes off randomly all the time. This is fine. Uh, And they put him in the cop car, drive him back. Back to the jail. Mary promptly enters, and then as soon as he sees her, Rafe just starts screaming about shots and how he won't do it, and is like, "Keep that, uh, keep that witch woman away from me." Not a fan of this. Um, and then Wendy just kind of just like bounces. She just kind of like in and out. She's just like, "Hey, what's going on?" Oh, never mind. There's a, the guy that shot at me is yelling. I'm gone. <laughs> Probably experiencing some mild trauma right now. Here's here's what I love about what a non-character Mary is. Mary's such a not character that you actually changed her name in our notes. To Wendy. (laughs) You you have in the notes written, Mary enters, Wendy leaves. (laughs) There's no one named Wendy on this show. three lines of each other. Just going to hit control F Wendy. Oh, that's a couple of times. <laughs> that happened a few times. Wow. It's been a hard day. Uh, so, <laughs> then Rafe is just like, can you bring me coffee? So so Andy does bring Rafe some, some coffee. And Brianna, I think it's really interesting that you said earlier that the deal with tetanus is like, tetanus isn't communicable. You're not going to spread it. The only person that's going to die from tetanus is you. Because that's basically Andy's strategy here. Yeah. He's emphasizing that. He goes very hard on that angle. On the angle that you're going to die. Yeah. And suddenly Rafe seems to care about dying because a couple scenes ago he was just like, yeah, someday I'll die, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't seem at all concerned about dying earlier, which, you know, to each their own. 
Uh, but suddenly, maybe it's the setting, maybe it's the coffee, maybe it's a nice little fireside chat atmosphere of the jail cell <laughs> that has a nice little armchair and uh, a little side lamp, you know, for some light reading, <laughs> a little bit of guitar playing. Yeah, no, he really, he like seduces him a little bit. <laughs> he really bit. sets the mood, yeah. honestly, for this. Uh, he goes in with like, "Hey, baby, have you re- do you know that time will march on after your worm food? <laughs> Let me serenade you with a song about digging your grave." He's actually much smoother and much more appropriate, yeah, with Rafe than he is with Mary. There's a lot more, like, tension between the two of them. Yeah. So he starts out initially and he's like, so what you're doing is a great idea because you're going to be immortalized because you're going to die of tetanus and it's going to make everyone else see how horrible it is to die of tetanus uh, that they're all going to get the shot. They'll probably build a statue of you. And he does that bit for a little while. And then afterwards he's just, like, describing death and he's just like, you'll die and then they'll put you into the ground and I'm going to be at your funeral. You're going to have a funeral. Hey, remember, remember our old Andy Griffith might be the devil theory? Yeah. This is the most <laughs> devil that she's been in a while. Fiendish. Like, he definitely contorts his face into some de- some devil-making. Uh, yeah, you're going to come in. And he's also doing, like, his best Johnny Cash impression, really. Like, he's going to come in and the pallbearer is going to put some dirt on your grave. <laughs> and I'm going to look down on you with I- this here guitar. And I'm going to sing a little song like this. Cha-ching. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for Rafe because up until this point, he had no concept of death. And Andy (laughs) took that away from him. He was just like, well, yeah, he didn't. He was like, oh, yeah, well, I am alive and one day I will be dead. And I haven't thought about anything after that. And Andy was like, can I introduce you to the concept of time? (laughs) You You know what this whole scene reminds me of? The 2004 Punisher movie with Tom Jane. Do you know the scene I'm talking about, Dan? I mean, I remember that movie, but you're going to have to be specific. There is a scene where Thomas Jane, the Punisher, is just, like, sitting in a cafe enjoying his uh, coffee or whatever. And a guy comes in dressed all in black, and he plays a song about death on an acoustic guitar for, like, four minutes of this movie. Just, like, stares right at him and plays his entire song staring him in the face. And he's just like, I wrote that song about you and how you're going to die. And then they have a shootout and like right. a car chase right in the middle of – and quite frankly, that scene fucking rules and this scene doesn't. But it did remind me of the two. That that movie also has a like a 20-minute scene of just gangsters massacring like a Florida resort. Like I, I, this, I, They do the scene where Frank's family gets killed but also like – 200 other people get killed and, like, like mowed down with machine guns and run over with trucks. There's also the scene where uh, Thomas Jane is fighting that big Russian dude through the apartment and John Panette is just, like, cooking and singing opera in the background the entire time. That movie rules. I, that movie got a lot of shit, but I love that movie. Welcome to Punisher cast. <laughs> our, our show within a show where we remember that the Punisher movie with Tom Jane exists. <laughs> Really? This, is a, this is a reoccurring segment. What, what are your thoughts on Punisher? What are if your you, thoughts on the 2004 Punisher? Not the character no, overarching that, that movie. specific movie. So I, I have to admit, I haven't seen Punisher, which is obviously something I will have to correct. Um, but I do. Most people didn't. Well, 
I'll have to change that at least, you know, one person at a time. But <laughs> I do have a through line. Okay. A bit, very loose, but I've never gotten to use this story for anything. Oh, hell yes. Um, which is just that there was this one time I was I was up home. I grew up, I went to high school in this little town called Nutripoli, Pennsylvania, which mm. you probably have not heard of. Uh, and I was visiting some friends, and we were at the bagel shop. And one day, a teenage boy just walked in wearing no shirt, carrying a saxophone, played a yes. solo. Yes. Hell and yes. Turned around and walked out. Yes. I know nothing about this. He must be a man now. It's been several years. Also, by definition, anything he did would be a solo, because I'm assuming there weren't any other instruments. But... That I know of. <laughs> did Did he have a ponytail? Did he have a ponytail? He did not have a ponytail. Okay. Were the pants leather? No. He had Were... no outward appearance that he would be the kind of person to do such a thing, aside from that he was walking around shirtless with a saxophone. What? He didn't even, like... So it was, like... In music out like no hang time and he didn't he didn't attempt to kill any of you no and it was it was a bagel shop which seemed particularly random for some some reason so I don't know if there are any listeners here who have been to Nutripoli, Pennsylvania and like might know who this person is if I had seen that I would never be confident that I was like in the real world ever again <laughs> like I would still be like. I might be dead. Like, this all might be a hallucination before I, while I'm bleeding out. I mean, it could be yeah. right now. And this, this is quite the hallucination, what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel like if the world really was a simulation, you could come up with better shit than this. Like, yeah. If, if, if I'm a sim, whoever is playing me right now sucks at this. I will say, if you have the ability to play a saxophone, you kind of have the duty to do this thing that this kid did. Yeah. Like, you should... Go into places shirtless, play the saxophone, and leave. Was was it was it anything recognizable? Because my brain is telling me like careless whisper. It's clearly careless whisper, right? I it was nothing recognizable to me. I don't I don't spend a lot of time listening to this particular style of music, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But it was not recognizable to me. It was not recognizable to anyone else I was with. Um, but frankly, we we're really more concerned about what was happening in our immediate environment as mm-hmm. opposed to like what he was playing. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't stop in the middle of it. Like, is that is he playing George Michael? That's not <laughs> yeah. the weird part of this. Well, mostly you're waiting and wondering what is going to happen next. Yeah, what was going through your head in this moment? I honestly, my first thought was that a bunch of the kids from the musical at the high school are just going to show up and do some number from the musical and leave. I, that then, would honestly terrify me. Like, <laughs> that would that would terrify just me like, worse just than like any a flash mob in the middle of this bagel shop. Yeah, there's not a lot going on in Nutripoli. The idea of a flash mob musical scares me worse than anything else. <laughs> Any other possibility. Like, oh my god, they're going to come in and do West Side Story. Fuck. <laughs> oh, holy shit. That kid's a hero. And again, if you have the ability to play saxophone and you're listening to our show, go do that. Yeah, do that now. <laughs> so back at the jail. <laughs> so we've concluded Punisher cast and sax cast. <laughs> Rafe gets the shot. Like, that's it. The, they go to commercial and they come back and he's getting a shot and uh, that's it. And he's just like, well, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. And Mary's like, yeah, whatever. Let me wipe off this uh, this alcohol that's on your skin. And he goes, no, 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 leave it. I like the smell. Because he's Weird. a moonshiner. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, and then they realize that Barney hasn't gotten his sh- – well, Barney's like, oh, imagine not getting your shot as an adult. And then they're like, you haven't gotten your shot. She, like, looks at the paperwork. And he's like, 
yeah, yeah, I have. And then they hold him down and give him a shot. Uh, they do like that really old joke of like, oh, that didn't hurt so bad. And they're like, oh, that was just the alcohol. And then they give him a shot. Yeah. You, you have a note here that says Rafe is helpful now. I will say, the I don't know what was in this shot because the character of Rafe transforms entirely <laughs> around after this. The next couple times we see Rafe, he's like super willing to help and he's a member of the choir and he's like, like – yeah. Less belligerent than ever. So, man, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was just riddled with tetanus and it was it was driving him insane. <laughs> is tetanus madness a thing? Is that... Uh, it hasn't been documented if it is. Well, it might be trailblazing medical science on this. <laughs> I submit that this character had a classic case of tetanus madness. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I was so interested in Mary's, she had this little post-it. Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if post-its existed at the time. It looked like a post-it where she had everybody's names written down mm-hmm. of everyone who didn't have a tetanus shot. And I'm really curious as to where she got that information from. Number one, very secure record keeping. Well, <laughs> just, just in a notebook in her purse. Right. And where did it even come from in the first place? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, like they don't, they don't have like a census. Was there like a guy that she, before she got here, just went around and was like, Hey, do you have all your shots, crazed gun wielding farmers? Like, and they they're just like in between shotgun blasts, like, like flu shot, not tetanus, blam. <laughs> like, yeah, how the fuck did they get this information? Yeah, there's no there's no records to go through. Yeah, like, like does she she probably just has like a list of everyone. You know what it is? She probably just has a list of everyone in the town and is just going to give everyone in the town a tetanus shot. Yeah. Whether they need one or not. Yeah. So that's really what it is. It's just like a list of people who have, who exist. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And like, probably like the people that live in town have a doctor and she just asked the doctor, but she was like everyone else. She was like, probably not. Oh no. Yeah. We've, we've heard that there's a doctor, the Dr. Kravitz, the yeah. only Jew in Mayberry. Yeah. Who will never see. Ever? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. They have one. Yeah. They have one. Yeah. They have one. And, and, and as we've pointed out numerous times, uh, that you will occasionally see a black person wandering around in the background. But Really? Yeah. And well, it, oh, what a diverse town. <laughs> always walking very quickly. Like, just just hauling. Uh, and in the entire episode, in the entire eight-year run of the Andy Griffith Show, which, again, we should remind you, went from 1961 to 1968, a black person speaks once. Yeah. One time. We have to, like, do when, something. When we get to that episode, we're going to have, like, air horns. Like. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to, like, do a thing. I don't know what the fuck we're going to, like, there's a nothing, parade. There's nothing that we can do that won't make us seem racist. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's so many episodes. They're, like, 30 episode seasons. Yes. Oh, Christ. Yeah, this is a thing we decided to do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's so let's go ahead and, and and wrap this bad boy up. Uh ratings. Andy Meter, how good is this episode? This episode sucks. A four for me? Yeah, this episode has like some jokes that are like solid. Like uh some of the Barney teasing Andy jokes were solid, but for the most part, and eh, some of the Rafe jokes were solid. I'm going to give it a 5. It's okay. Fun. Yeah, there's like that the one Rafe scene was pretty funny, but that's that's it. Yeah, I'm going to say a 4. Brianna, how good is this episode? What what's the scale? Uh 1 to 10. For Andy? Yeah. Like right. can I do like negative 12 for the face touching? Oh no, 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 yeah. no, no. Okay, wait, wait. wait. Damn so, face touching. Fuck. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay, so so 
for for our listeners yeah, at home, who, for, 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 for our listeners at home, and for Brianna, uh, the way that this works is uh, our Andy meter is how much we actually enjoyed the episode, just like on, a, on an episode quality, uh, how good it is, and then our Barney meter is how fucking gross is this episode? Oh, okay. Yeah. I or, thought we were rating Andy himself. That's a whole this is a whole <laughs> different thing. Oh yeah, no, we go through individual characters and talk about how good they were this episode. <laughs> No, but you know who does do that? The Letterkenny podcast that we were just on that I should have mentioned at the beginning of the episode. I'll do it. Yeah. We end plugs. We're, yeah. Yeah, we do plugs at the end now, Marty. So, anyway, <laughs> Andy, Andy Meter. Andy Meter. Um, How good is this episode? Three. Three. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Like, yeah. We brought you in. Uh, we, we have had, like, tens before. We have had episodes where we're like, this fucking rules. But we didn't bring you in for one of those. I also have only seen one other episode. And the, the thing that I really liked about I didn't particularly really like the first episode that I watched. But the thing I did like about it was the Opie content, content which little little Ronnie Howard was just so cute. And there's there's no little Ronnie Howard in this episode. Yeah. No, of no. We might we might just make like a playlist of just like Ron Howard episodes. He uh, also around this time is is slowly ceasing to be cute. Oh, like, no. He's I can't unfortunately aging. And just turn. He's going from like a cute, precocious little boy to just like a boy. Yeah. Oh, we got to deal with this shit. Yeah. They did not plan ahead for this. All right, Barney Meter. How gross is this? How like reprehensible do we have find this? I'm gonna start with Brianna. Brianna, how gross is it? I'm a like. I mean, from like an ethical standpoint, it's sure. it's pretty. It's pretty bad. We we generally don't jail people and then hold them down while they get shots or or. <laughs> tell them they're gonna die if they don't get them so i i didn't that's not good I the just, face touching is not good i just realized this episode is like the the modern anti-vaxxer nightmare where they're like they're gonna jail you the the medical uh industrial complex is going to like lock you up they're going to use their cozy relationships with the law to force you to get a shot I mean, maybe this is where people got some of those ideas from. Oh, shit. Potentially. (laughs) The running theme of the show. (laughs) Oh, holy shit. Uh, Yeah, so it was was pretty gross. It could have been grosser. Mm -hmm. That's generally our theme on this. Yeah, Yeah. so I'll I'll give it like a a four. I don't don't feel good about this. I'll give it a four because I can imagine so many things that could be so much worse with different plot lines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with... I will remind you, face touching. Yeah, two. <laughs> is, that, is that plus two or minus two? My, it's just two. Just the number two. Just That's the final score. Okay, oh, no, we're, no. We're, the, we're going higher. Oh, the worse it is. Oh, right. I did this so wrong. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. I was wondering about four. Yeah, four. so it was going to be a sex and out tonight. Okay. Okay. That, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, I was like... I was like, man, you're really on board with face touch. You did a real heel turn with face no, touching. No, no, I, I don't like the face touching at oh, all. But... I just know that there are some other episodes with some, like, direct physical violence and some other things that I would want to be higher. Yeah, I'm I'm going to put this at about a six and a half, seven for me. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, as Brianna pointed out, we, I feel like we should talk about that. They do jail a man and hold him and, like, well, they don't really hold him down. They hold they... Barney down. Oh, that's true. They do hold Barney down. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Like, they let him out of the jail when he agrees to get the tetanus shot. They're like, we're locking you up for shooting at us. You know how you can get out of this? That's true. Get yeah. that shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting that at about a seven for me. 
I'll put it at like a six. Okay. Yeah, he's done worse like lately. <laughs> All right. So that is our episode for today. Uh, Brianna, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, if people want to like follow your stuff on the internet, where can people find you? You can visit me at my website at briannalmorgan.com. Brianna has one N in it. So that's where you can find the main links to all of the different stuff. You can find me at johnoftheread.com. You can also check out Bar Camp Philly, uh, panma.org for the Philadelphia Area New Media Association, and basically anywhere that they let me be online. Awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, You can listen to Dan and I on a different podcast talking about a current show that we actually enjoy uh, on How Are You Now? Uh, Which is a podcast about the show Letter Kenny, which you've probably heard us drop references to several times. We were guest stars uh, recently, and that episode drops, I think, tomorrow. So by the time you're hearing this, it'll be up. So go check us out on How Are You Now? uh, on on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, on the internet, you can check us out always at, uh, on Twitter. We are at Break Mayberry, uh, Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry, Twitter.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Nope. Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Uh, Instagram, we are at Breaking Mayberry. Uh, on the Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That is S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds. Two Ds. Well, you always stare at me expectantly until I clarify how many Ds are in my Twitter handle. It's <laughs> fair. <laughs> God damn it. Er, earlier uh, earlier music you heard was by Max Ludwig, who is on the internet as at Sleep Talkie. You're about to hear... Uh, Should we shout out the new, patri- the new patron? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, special thanks to all of our new Patreon subscribers. Uh, but our new one, uh, R. Wazen, I guess is how we're going to pronounce that name. Yeah. It's happening. Special shout out to them. Uh, and I feel like we've missed a couple as well. Um I apologize to those. We're going to go back and fix that. Also, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can listen to the new episode of the Stanford Anime Experiment where Dan tortures me with anime. And this one might be the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. It's real bad. Uh, all that content is available. Oh, and also, please stay to the end of the, this. Man, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Please stay to the end of the credits because you will hear part two of our audio play, Barney's Day Out, written by Patreon subscribers Jack Royce and Not Your Guts, starring erotic Don Knotts. <laughs> God, our plug section is getting weird. <laughs> Our plug section is turning into a fucking jungle that you need a machete to get through. You would think I would have written this stuff down by now. I refuse to. <laughs> the ba- the music you're about to hear is Off Season Blues by The Brothers Rye. Check them out on the internet, on Spotify and Apple Music and wherever you get your music. I think that's about it for us. Uh, be sure to listen to uh, the audio play at the end. We will see y'all down at the fishing hole. Yeah, I'll come back now. Are you okay? That was a lot of air that you just so put out of your much. face. So much. So much. Crooked teeth and bones, honey. Time's took its toll. Give it one more chance, darling, before we get to old. Season's over, this town's drunk dry. Pull the sheds on the windows, ain't no shame to hide. They won't know the 
wicked toe leaves on all my shoes. Plywood on the window, them all season blue. And now, a Breaking Mayberry special presentation. Barney's Day Out by Not Your Guts and Jack Royce. Starring Erotic Don Knotts. Dear Andy, Well, things ain't getting too much better from here in my temporary Oval Office in the Washington, D.C. Penitentiary. Never in my life have I experienced such disrespect as an officer of the law or as executive in chief. I can't get anyone to hear me out, much less the sham of a judge they have handling this situation. That guy called me an assassin. Can you believe it? As if I had set out to kill that usurper. They tried to give me a lawyer, but I'm a lawman, darn it. Who knows more about law than me? I took it upon myself to handle my own defense. Crazy, they called me. Well, I'll see who's crazy when I finally get into that oval throne. Let's see how they like going to prison for treason. Send my love to Juanita. Oh, and Thelma Lou, I suppose. Regards, President for Life, Marty Five. <laughs> 